You know, today's message has a pretty simple title. We're still back in our series in, in the book of Exodus. And the, and the question is, uh, or the word is simply why. And some have called the why question the most important question of all the questions you could ask. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Simon Sinek, but he has been on TED Talks quite often. And if you've never been on a TED Talk or ever listened to one, they're, they're basically 15-minute talks given by some fairly significant people that really capture the attention of people and kind of drive them to maybe possibly consider how they ought to live differently and maybe more productively. Now, Simon Sinek is a... Uh, He's a, a manager, a higher up individual in the RAND uh, a company, a corporation, as well as someone who uh, teaches uh, leadership at Columbia University. And he's written a book recently, and this is what he's kind of really known for. It's called The Power of Why. And he's really convinced that if you can answer the why question, all the other questions in life, the who, what, when, where, uh, and how, will just kind of follow through. Because if you're not driven by some kind of compelling reason to do whatever you're doing, uh, you will very likely stop doing what you even are convinced when you're, when you're saying and thinking through it, you ought to do, you ought to be following. And, and so this morning, what I want to ask the question is, well, why? Uh, why are you here? Uh, why would you consider this book, which has a lot of words in it and not a whole lot of pictures, well, why would you consider reading this book? Why would you think that somehow the time spent with us or in a place like this or online with someone speaking out about what this book says, why would you listen? Why is it so important? I don't know about you, if you can look back at your own life, and I can remember back to these days, or you might be thinking of your own children or grandchildren or just observing others. But, but I remember as I was growing up that often as I was messing around, uh, eventually I would get a cry from either my mom or dad, it was usually my mom, who would say, go clean your room. Now, now when she would say that immediately, I, I would think, first of all, not the why question, but the who question. Who, are, are, are you talking to me? And, and since my brother, who's two years older than me, and, and since we lived in the same room for most of the years we were living in my parents' home, I, I normally just thought immediately, well, she's not talking to me. She's talking to my brother. He's the one who's got to clean the room. But it didn't take long for that to be clarified, and she was talking to me, and I was the one to clean the room. But then it got back to the basic question, or what some people call the most important question, the power of why. And I asked, well, why do I need to clean my room? If it's my room, I should be able to leave it just exactly like I want to leave it. And we would argue for a little bit. I kind of like to argue and debate a little bit. And so eventually she would finally say this, you want to know the why? Maybe you've heard this before. Because I, I told you so. Well, you know, eventually I'd be kind of pushed into that environment where I'd go back and I'd, I'd clean up the room at least to a certain degree. But, you know, most of the time, to be honest, is it all right to be honest in church? I, I would kind of wait out my mom because my mom's kind of a clean freak. And if I just waited long enough, she, she would go in and clean it and I wouldn't have to do it. But, you know, when I got a little bit older, I realized that the why question as far as why would I do what my parents told me to do? Why would I tell, do what my mom told me to do? Because... Really, I began to realize that, that I really should do it because I want to honor her. And not only do I want to honor her, but all the things she does for the family, I, I should want to help her. And really, when you think about the why, why you ought to be here, you, you, you ought to be here if you get the, the main message of, the, of what's in this book is that, that God speaks into our lives because he wants us to honor him. Just like we honor the, the physical parents that bring us into this world, 
that we ought, to, we ought to honor the one who brought us into existence. And not only that, who has rescued us in dramatic ways so that we could know him because we were so messed up. Unless he cleaned up our mess, we had no right to know him. And so in some ways, and we kind of state that as a, as a, as a slogan for our church at Grace Hills Church, uh, why, why do we exist? We, we exist to honor God and to help people. And, and that's, why, that's why we do what we do. We, we want people to, to know God, to honor him, and, and then we want to help them in whatever way we can, but we want to help them to know the most important person in this universe, and that's the living God. And, and that really gets us back to the, really the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus is all about God's way out, and the reason we need a way out, because we're, we're in a pretty big mess. And it's not just like a COVID-19 experience, that, that's going to pass sometime. But then we get ourselves in other messes, either, either in, a, in a large way, as far as a multitude of people, or just on a personal level. The, the God's way out is really the only way out when we mess up in our own lives. Now, but really, is, well, why, why should we follow God's plan? Because God, God has a reason for us to follow him. And we're going to see that in the book of Exodus today. We're going to do a little bit of review, and then we're going to go on to some new materials. We think about why, 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 why does God want us to respond to him? And, and so that's life's most important question. And really, we're going to answer it this way in case uh, you doze off some, sometime during the message. I, I got four things I want to share with us all. Why, why, why does God want to speak into our lives, number one, so, so all will know who is the Lord? He doesn't, he doesn't want to have any confusion. There's all kinds of gods out there or things that people value more than uh, following him. Well, well, he wants us all to know who is the Lord. Secondly, he wants us to know uh, it is really all about the Lord. It really is all about the Lord. It's, it's not like he's just a part of our lives. He really should be at the center of our lives. Thirdly, it's all about knowing that it's all all are invited to know him as the Lord. It's, it's not just for a select few. He, he wants everyone to get in on it. And then finally, it's so all will know it requires surrendering to him as Lord. It's, it, it's the most important commitment that anyone will ever make. Well, let's see as we look at the Exodus. It has some, has some pretty powerful things that God did. Well, why did he do them? And, and we're going to try to see that this morning. So all will know a most important question. Why the Exodus? Why the plagues? Why the judgments? Uh, very simply, so all will know who is the Lord. Going back to Exodus chapter 7, right before the plagues came into existence, this is what straightforwardly God told Moses. He said in verses 4 and 5, when, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. And how is he going to do that? And why did he do it? Because he's going to rescue them. And it says, by great judgments which is another way to say by plagues. And, and let's be honest, we have a tendency to listen to what's going around us and, and the decisions or lifestyles we're choosing to, to take when the pain level rises. When things are going well, we just kind of go on our own way. But when, when there's consequences, obvious consequences for how we're living, we, we consider whether we, we have safe social distancing or we kind of just go and do whatever we like. And so there were great judgments. And here's the phrase I want us to all realize in verse 5. He says, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt. And so if we were to put it as simply as we could put it, why, why should we 
Why should we observe and listen to what God has done and is doing and said will do in the future? Because it's all about knowing who is the Lord. Who is God? Is he, is he noble? And, and, and can we, in a, in a just convincing way, know that this is the true and only God? You know, when God called Moses, he, he was pretty plain with him. And, and God, as he showed himself to be real to Moses, Moses said, well, you're, you're calling me to lead people to know you. And that's why, as you think about the why of the church or the why of why we get together, it's so that we would honor God, but we would honor God to such a level that we would help other people learn to honor God. And so it's all about, first of all, knowing who is God. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, here's God's answer to Moses as far as what shall I tell people? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me. And the word I am, it's the word Yahweh, some pronounce it Jehovah, but it really is a statement about who is this God? He is the one who's always been. He is the eternal one. He's the self-existent one. He's the self-sufficient one. He is the one who has brought everything into existence, and he is the one who directs all that happens in this universe. And he is the one worthy of us honoring him. Now, we all know, and being a parent, that Sometimes um, I know the role of my kids is to honor me, but sometimes I, I, didn't, I wasn't that honorable. Uh, but as we think about the, the God of this universe, he is always worthy of our honor. He's always worthy us, for us to follow him because he is good. We're not always good, but he is good. And, and the reality, and this is the thing that we all ought to think through, it's, it's not about only getting our act together now, but it's so important that we get our act together prepared for the future. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it's in your notes if you've, if you've downloaded those. Uh, this is what it says about what's going to happen with Jesus. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, this is Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And I just want... I just want to remind you, as you think about Jesus when he was here, and they, they, were, they were challenging him in John chapter 8 about who he was and what gave him the right to speak so authoritatively for God and what it meant to know him and to honor him and to live for him. He said, before Abraham was born, I am. And he took on the Yahweh name of the Old Testament. But in Philippians 2, it goes on and says this, So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. And really that just speaks about it. If you don't bow your knee before God by choice now, God will bend your knee before Jesus in the future. And all of us need to understand, this is throughout the book of Exodus, throughout the book of the entire series of books, the 66 books within the one book, is that, that God is gracious, God is merciful, God is loving, God is good, but there are consequences for our choices. And the most important truth in all the world, challenge for all of us, is do we really know who is the Lord? God has revealed himself, and he's revealed himself so clearly in Jesus, and that's whom we need to, to get to know and to honor him. 
But sometimes as, as we look at that, we think, well, that's a, it's kind of getting, getting like fire insurance, or we get our ticket to heaven. It's just about saying, okay, I'll believe in Jesus. Now I'm going to live however I want. But I want you to know it's also true about this, about the why of the Bible. It's not only so that all will know who is the Lord, but secondly, so all will know it really is all about the Lord. Now, let me just go back to Exodus 12, where we left off last week as we looked at the plagues, and we looked at it through in a creative way through the Passover, for you were with us last week. But in Exodus chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, uh, this is what it says here. Now you, shall say, now you shall eat it in this manner with the loins girded, your sandals on, your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments, I and the Lord. Which, again, kind of emphasizes that, you know, the first thing that we all need to realize is who is the Lord? Egypt was filled with gods. It was very religious, but they were worshiping not the true God, but the false gods. And God distinguished himself. And then he prepared his people to to remember what he was going to do and then did, and that they ought to follow him in full faithfulness and be prepared always to do that. And when they observed the Passover, and during those days, really, and we went through an elaborate Seder meal last week, really there were three elements that were significant before the Seder meal got further developed actually hundreds of years later. And it was, it was all about three things. One, unleavened bread, and we're going to be taking communion later on. And, and unleavened bread really is, is, is that element which speaks about that which does not have any yeast in it. And yeast in the Bible is, is in reference to anything that's destructive and, and evil and sinful. In fact, Jesus said, Look, beware of the leaven of the... Of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because of their hypocrisy. Another place in the Bible says to beware of leaven because it's, it's full of malice and it's full of wickedness. And really what leaven does is it infiltrates, it pollutes, and it's silent. It's, it's not detected immediately, but then it corrupts. And so the lesson of, of Passover was, look at it, is you understand that I'm the one who's going to rescue you. I'm the one who's the way out you need to realize that, that as I bring you out, it, it should be differently than how you're living now. Uh, I, I want you to allow me to clean everything up about you, take out all the leaven, all the thing that's corrupt and, and that which is destructive, that which is not good but evil, uh, and just allow your life to follow me. And so they were to eat only of unleavened bread. And then also they were to eat of the bitter herbs to remind them, look, as you think about life and we live in a fallen world, and that's, that's really the answer as we think about why, why COVID-19? Well, the Bible says that when he first created, God created this world, it was all good and very good. But when sin entered into this world, it corrupted our world. And, and that's why certain diseases come up because we live in a world that's fallen. And bitter herbs just remind them, look, you're, you're going to fall the one who's going to provide for you, but recognize that Life in the past has not always been easy. That's where the bitter herbs come. And, and even in the future, it's not always going to be easy, but God's goodness will follow you everywhere you go. And then the other thing is we think about how they left. Not only did they have leaven and not only the bitter herbs, but also they recognize it's all what God does, and that was the lamb, the, 
the unblemished lamb, which pictures Jesus. Jesus, as John the Baptist said in, in John chapter 1, verse 29, that, that he is the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And, and Jesus was that one, which is interesting, the New Testament says this, which I, I was just seeing that this week, that he is the one who knew no sin, he was the one who did no sin, and he was the one that sin was no part of who he was. And so he was that perfect lamb that was slain in our behalf, and the, and the blood had to be applied to them. But the other thing in here is interesting is, is they were prepared to be rescued by God. They were to gird up their loins, which simply meant you, you need to be ready, prepared to, to do what I want you to do, what you need to do immediately. And hopefully you need to understand that the, the why of the Bible is, is to tell us not only why we ought to do what we do, to honor him, to, to know him and to follow him, but but also what, and that is to follow his instructions and to be prepared to do it immediately. There's a, there's a passage in Peter that speaks about that as well. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, it says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And, and literally what that is is gird your loins for action. Uh, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself also in all your behavior. You know, I think it, it uh, doesn't take much for us to realize that followers of Jesus aren't perfect. Uh, we know they're not sinless, but the whole, whole challenge for us is to sin less than we used to because we want to be like Jesus. When God called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, he gave him his covenant name, Yahweh, the self-existent one, the eternal one, the one who was self-sustaining for everything in this world. And so that name meant something. And then, and then we read that passage where Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You know, all of us here have a name, and, and we, we like people to know our name because if they know our name and they, they use it when they're around us, it it, it just kind of communicates that we're important because important enough that they would know our name. And, and sometimes we know that people, <laughs> need, people forget our names, and so we're kind of tempted. We'd like to put on a name tag, you know? Here's my lanyard with my name on it. It says Mike. And I don't know if you've been watching that series. I haven't because I don't have ESPN anymore, and so you can pray for me. I'm, I'm going through withdrawals. I don't have ESPN. But, you know, the, the last dance, and it's, it's all about Michael Jordan. But, you know, before... Michael Jordan was Michael, he was, he was, he was Mike, and, and it was all about be like Mike, and, and, and that was the challenge, I want to play like Mike, and it used to be all about his shoes, and I, I tried putting on some Jordan shoes, and I, I didn't get any better for some reason, you know, but as you think about, there's always some significance in the name, and, and the name Michael, interesting enough, means who is like God, and it's actually used of, a, of an angel in the Bible, Michael the archangel, and who is like God is a rhetorical question. It really is, who is like God? And you know what the answer to that is? No one other than Jesus. But as we understand as far as what is life all about, why should we, why should we get into this book? Why should we be involved in a church? Why, why should we try to follow what, what God is leading us in spiritually? It's because we all need to know who is the Lord. It's all about Jesus. But second, we need to know it's really all about the Lord. You know, I, I want to give you this picture. When God call, called the people of Israel to never forget, and we talked about that last week, 
They were to never forget the Passover on the 14th of Nisan, which he changed the whole calendar, and that was going to be the beginning of the month of their calendar year, particularly in their religious calendar. And on the, on the 14th of that month, they were to have a time of remembrance, and we illustrated that last week. But, you know, the Passover meal, as I remembered, the rescue, it, it didn't end there. There was a feast of unleavened bread for seven days after the Passover. And really, those are really two observances of the same thing. And it's really true about what it means to, to know God and to honor him. First of all, you've got to meet him. That's what salvation is all about. That's what the Passover was all about, where, where the blood was applied to their homes and, and God saw the blood and saw past their sin and, and gave them forgiveness and a relationship with him. And that's what happens when we make that first commitment to Christ is, is we enter into a relationship with God, we meet, and that's salvation, but it doesn't end there. And that's the other big word in the Bible. It's the S word, sanctification, which means I want you to live this out, and if you really know me, you will live me out. And that was true in the people of, of the Exodus. They found out who were the true believers and who were not the true believers by how do they then live. Not perfectly, but what was the direction of their life? And just think about it, for seven days, it's one thing, uh, you know, I ate some unleavened bread last week, and, and uh, it was all right to eat a few morsels of unleavened bread, but I wouldn't want that uh, for a diet for any length of time. But for seven days, they weren't able to eat the, the breads of Egypt or the breads of, of the, the best chefs in the nation of Israel. They had to eat unleavened bread. It's kind of like eating cardboard. And, and really, it was a reminder of them, look, at, you have... You have chosen to follow me. It's not always going to be easy. And I want you to be as far away from sin as possible. I want, and, and, and sin is that which is destructive. It's, it's, God, it's God's grace to tell us, here, here's some things you ought to, uh, to run away from, and here's some things you ought to run to. It's because God is a good God. And he wants us to, to know the direction in our life that he wants us to follow. And so for an object lesson, they were to eat unleavened bread to remind them, be as far away from that which will have an evil influence in your life. Eat this bread day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. For seven days, you only eat unleavened bread. And so I want to encourage you that as God calls us to live for him, we, we gird up your loins. And really what that is, that's an illustration of a, of a man that... Uh, was kind of wearing a toga. It was kind of like wearing a, 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 a long dress and said, look, if you're going to move, you, you got you to gird yourself up. You got to tie that stuff up. It's like, an, it's like a track um, athlete saying, look, if I'm going to run fast, I can't have all kinds of clothes hanging around and tripping me up. And he said, look, you need to, you need to tie up those loose ends in your life and, and follow me fully and completely because it's, it's all about, number one, do you really know the true Lord? Who is the Lord? And then secondly, do you understand that it is really all about the Lord? It's about saying he's, he's first in my life. He's centered in my life because he knows the way uh, that, that will please him and to honor him. And that's why I want to know him because I want to honor him. But as we think about that, is this, is this only just for select few? Is it only about for those people who have that religious gene, you know, kind of in their life when they... When they get birthed into this world. Uh, well, I want you to understand that even in the book of Exodus, as we think about it happening, it's, it's also about knowing this. It's all about knowing that God has invited everyone to know the Lord, that that invitation 
is for everyone. So all will know, all are invited to come to him as Lord. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, and we didn't get to that passage last week, but it's interesting, as they were, they were, as they were taken off, as Pharaoh had come to that place where he said, you've got to leave our place, and if you've got any blessings to spare, bless me as well. And then he, of course, turned on that and followed them into the Red Sea or to the Red Sea. As we think about it, and as they took off, in verse 37 of Exodus chapter 12, it says this. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramsey to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot aside from uh, children, which means that 70 people that came into Egypt uh, 430 years ago had grown to a nation, uh, probably numbering about 2 million uh, people, 600,000 men, and with children and wives and uh, singles, there were, there were over, probably over 2 million people. And then it says this, a mixed multitude also went up with them along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. What does that tell us? It tells us that as you think about God's plan, God's plan, it wasn't just for the Jewish people. The Jewish people through Abraham was God's chosen people, but they were chosen for a purpose. And that's kind of the why question. Why were they chosen? Were they chosen to just focus on themselves and, and try to receive God's blessings only for themselves? Or, or were they for one greater purpose beyond that? And the answer to that is yes. As God called Abraham into that covenant relationship to be God's chosen people, it was for the purpose of as you are blessed, you are to be a blessing to others. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 says this, And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And here's the significant line. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so Israel was always given the the privilege of being God's chosen people to to help other people know who the one and only true God is. Uh, they They were brought into that family relationship with God, not only to know who the Lord is, but to realize it's really all about the Lord. And as you look through the history of, of Israel, just like a lot of other people, when we get our eyes off the Lord, our, our lives go down the wrong path. And, and they weren't a light to show people who the true God is. They were actually a, a hindrance to others. And sometimes God's people who, who claim the name of Jesus, that's, that's how we live. If people were to look at our lives, they, they, they wouldn't see anything different than, than anybody else. And they couldn't see God living within us. But that was always the purpose and in some people, God, even in the midst of the, of the plagues, in Exodus chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, it says this, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord, which hopefully you're catching this, this is actually in the hail judgment or the hail plague. They had already learned the lesson, some of them, through the other plagues. And as they heard that the hail was to come and it was to destroy all the flocks in the field and anyone who was in the field, it says this, the one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord, knowing who the true Lord is, and it's really all about him, made his servants, not only himself, but those who were in his relational responsibility, made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. And the rest of the story is they perished. And what we see here is the, the plagues wasn't just for the purpose of bringing judgment upon Pharaoh and those who rejected him, but for the, those in the land that would fear, honor, trust in the living God, 
they were rescued as well. And really what you have there is that in that mixed multitude, as they, as they left Egypt, it was, it was Egyptians and other people from maybe from other lands, those who had been slaves because they had been conquered, whatever it might be. They said, well, we got two choices here. We can stay in Egypt with their false gods, and they've already been destroyed in so many different ways, and destruction has hit the land. Or, or we, can, we can follow these people who seem to know the true God. And... and and, and what choice are we going to make? And, and they made the right choice. And they, they followed the true God and God's people. Now, some of them, just to be honest, they, they left because they saw it was maybe the grass looked a little bit greener on, on that side of the hill than the side in, in Egypt. And it was a false faith. It was a false allegiance. But, but some truly come to that place in their life where they trusted him and they'd taken God's invitation. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples, now speaking to God's people now, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I, I'm not going to dissect that passage, but you know, the, the mission of God's people now is the same that was the mission of God's people then. God's chosen people Israel, and then now God's chosen people who, who've now come to know the living God, and, and, and both Jew and Gentile who've come to faith in Jesus Christ, we're, we're one, and God still has a plan for God's chosen people to be faithful to his promises. But it's all about, just like it was then, it's all about do you know the true God? It doesn't matter what ethnic race you, that you were born into, but are you willing to, to follow the, the one and only true God and make your life all about him and not yourself, being at the center of your life and it says, go therefore and make followers in all nations. And the word nations there is ethne, which means ethnic group. And that's how I want you to realize that the, the reason, the why that we do what we do is because we want to know who the true Lord is. We, we want to know it's all about the true Lord, who is God, who is Jesus. And it's all about being part of God's great plan, which is inviting other people to know him. Just like you would want to to know and to love and to honor a parent that really cared for you, so much more so is it about knowing the one who created you and then sent his son to die for you, to rescue you from the mess that we're all in in this world and to recognize no matter how challenging it gets, no matter how bitter the herbs get, that he'll always be with us. But there's one other thing I want to share with you briefly this morning. It's all about, not only is it about knowing the Lord, it's about knowing it's all about the Lord and it's all about knowing they're all invited to, to him as the Lord. It's, it's knowing that it's, it's all about knowing it requires surrendering to him as the Lord. And, and where do I get this in the story of Exodus? Well, let's just look at the end of this chapter, Exodus chapter 12. Looking at Exodus chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. And, and here we have these words of the Lord to, to Moses. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. Now, I just want to make a comment here. The Lord is speaking to Moses and Aaron. He's speaking to God's people. He's speaking to the people of Egypt. And it's interesting in the 12th chapter of, of Exodus, uh, the word Lord, or if you want to translate, the word Yahweh, the covenant personal name of the living God, the one and only true God, the Lord's name is used 12, 17 times in this book, 17 times in, a, in the 12th chapter. You kind of get the idea that the Lord is central in everything that's happening. And so the Lord speaks out to 
Moses and Aaron. And interesting, as we read a previous passage, you know, as you think about the Passover, and sometimes, again, we, we kind of miss the point. We think, well, that's a, that's a Jewish observance, which, interesting enough, I don't know about this, but uh, this, this last Wednesday, uh, April 29th, uh, that was the 72nd birthday of the nation of Israel coming back to their homeland. And so if you think about it, you can send a happy birthday card to any Jewish person you know. They, they, their land is now theirs again. But, but as we think about that is that the Lord speaks into their life and says, look, I, w- I want you to listen up now. This is for everyone, but it's, but it's, not, just, uh, it's not just a get-out-of-jail-free card because you, you think you're born into the chosen people of Israel or you think you were born in the United States or you think you're born in some particular place that has more advantages than others. This is a choice that people have to make. And he says this, this is an ordinance of the Passover as, as foreigner to eat of it. And, and describing in the 12th, in the 12th chapter, it's, it's not a Jewish Passover. It says it's the Lord's Passover. He goes on, verse 44, and says this, But every man's slave purchased with money, after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. And then he goes on and says this in Exodus chapter 12, uh, in verses 40 and 49, But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native, to the stranger who sojourns among it. Now, you kind of might have missed the drift here, but what he was saying to look, I, I want you to understand that the Passover which is a symbol of God saving his people. And, and then we said the unleavened bread was that symbol of God sanctifying his people or calling his people to live it out. He said that this is, this is not just something you inherit. This is something you, you need to be fully all in with. For the native and for every Jewish child, for male child, if they're going to be part of God's covenant people, the male ch- child had to be circumcised and Trust me, it's a lot easier to be circumcised when you're young rather than older. But he said, look, if there's a native in the land from another country, a servant or someone who becomes part of your society, if they want to be part of God's family, those those males have to be circumcised, which would have been a much more difficult choice at that time. And really, I think that's symbolic of realizing that God has a challenge for each of us. As we think about, are we part of God's family? Well, yeah, I was, I was raised in a church, or maybe I got baptized at a certain time in my life, or, or maybe I went forward in a meeting, or I think nice thoughts about Jesus. Does that automatically get us in? Uh, Paul even said that to his own countrymen. He said in, in Romans, look, just because you got circumcised, that doesn't mean anything, because it's not what happens on the outside, but what happens on the inside. Have you been circumcised of your heart? And this was a symbol saying, look, you got to be all in. And so as we think about knowing who is the Lord, that's the why question. Who is the Lord? Why is that so important? Because that's our purpose in life, to honor God and to help people to know that one true God. Do we come to that place where it is all about the Lord? It's not just realizing he rescues us, but we're supposed to live for him. I mean, you realize it's all about not only that did we get in, but are we inviting other people to get in? But I guess fundamentally it gets to that point is, uh, are we really in? Are, are we in God's family? We know God's heart. His heart is for us to come in. But our response, our responsibility is to, to put our trust in him. 
And when we really put our trust in him, I guess one way to describe that is we surrender our life to him. There's some, there's some awesome verses in the Bible that speak about God's loving kindness, his, the peace that he offers, and we've talked about that in past weeks, that he's the one who gives us the strength to go through trials, and he's the one who brings us joy, and he multiplies that joy. And when Jesus said, I came to give you life and have it more abundantly, that it might be full and meaningful, that, that he gives us direction, all that, that he has promised to us. He can take our paths that are crooked and make them straight. But he also says this about those of us at times can feel we can play games with God. And uh, I, I like to play games. And in fact, I always have a lot more fun when I, don't tell anybody, when I win. But, you know, if, if, if we think that we're winning with God when, we're, when we, we're playing games with him, we're not. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24, it's in your outline this, this, uh, this morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're watching this. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father is in heaven and will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, do a lot of religious activity, and your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now in that passage, he's not telling people you gotta work your way to heaven, you gotta be better than the next person, but he's saying, look, don't play games with me. If you really, if you really understand the Passover, when I passed over sin, when you really understand what communion is all about, which is what we're gonna participate in a few moments, where you recognize that, that when Jesus died on the cross, he died in our place. He was our substitute. We deserve death for our sin. And the only way that we can enter into God's family is that we have to, we have to fall on our knees and say, God, will you accept me? And I, and I trust in what Jesus did, and I give you my life completely and fully. But if we're just playing a religious game, it'd be like what Jesus said in his day. Look, at, there'll be many people who will, who, will, who will name my name, but they don't know me. They, they see a name tag, but they don't know the person behind the name tag. And so make sure you've come to that place in your life where you've surrendered your life. You've given in the steering wheel of your, of your life. You've, you've made a commitment where you, you recognize you admit your need, you believe in him, and you commit, choose to commit to fully trust in him and follow him. And that's what Romans 10, 9, 10 said, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, the one in charge of my life, and, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that what he did on the cross and rising from the dead demonstrates that it actually happened and that he had power over death. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation, which is simply said this. It, it, it's got to be more than just a mental assent or just having certain thoughts that you agree with it. It's saying, I'm giving you my life fully and completely. So on this morning in which we're going to have, in a few moments, an opportunity to remember what happened on that day in which Jesus went to the cross, on that first Passover, illustrating what happened at that first Passover, where he was the Lamb of God and, and he did not remain in the grave but rose from the grave, is that we got to ask the question, why are we here? Why did all those things happen in the Old Testament? Why did all these things happen as it recorded in the New Testament? Because God wants us to know the reason we're here is to know him and to live a life that honors him and honor him to the point where we help other people, help other people know him and honor him and experience the life that only he can give. And you need to recognize that for us to get in on that, we've got to surrender. We've got to give up our own life and give it to him. 
There's so many different ways Jesus tried to emphasize, emphasize this. He said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And that's simply what God is saying to us. Will you, will you give up your old life and receive the new life that Christ offers? Might you experience that what only God can give you, a new life in Jesus, where the Bible describes that you're born again. Your old life is now gone, and now you have a new life in him. We're going to close this in a word of prayer. As we close this, I invite you, if you've never made that commitment, to, to give your heart fully to him. I, I pray you might make that, that commitment. And if you really have made it in the past and you're not living it, might you just say, God, in a fresh way, I don't want to play games with you. I want to live a life where I, I, I just like that unleavened bread illustration that God gave the people of, of Israel in the Old Testament, I want you to live day by day, not living like the world, but living like the one who made the world and following him. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you came to, to give us the reason why we're here. It's not just to live a certain undefined amount of years and then it's all over, but that we would know the one who made us, who came to rescue us, to give us a way out. And I would just pray for people today who are not sure where they are with you, that they might surrender their life to you. They might admit their sin. They might believe that Jesus came to die for our sin. And they might choose to commit to follow Jesus as their Lord, the leader of their life, and the forgiver of their sins. And Father, for us, and maybe are are, are a little bit um, living a life, a two-faced life, might we, who've already really made that commitment, decide in a fresh way, God, I want to live in such a way that I live for the why. To honor you, to help other people honor you, to help people in any way possible so that I might live a life that pleases you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.